What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's play some football! Run right to the back of him. Run right to the middle and out the back. What's known in football terms as a slam dunk. Here at SEC Media Days with On Three's college football analyst JD Piquel. JD, good morning. Um, I'm catching you right before lunch. I know the food goes pretty fast here, but how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing phenomenal, man. It is a absolute circus of an event. It feels like college football Twitter just coming to life, but absolute blast, man. I'm glad we got to got to connect, and uh, it feels like college football season is right around the corner. Ole Miss is not till tomorrow as we are recording this on a Wednesday, but um, let's 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 get into it. Yeah. I know that um, year two of Jackson Dart, a um, lot more weapons on offense and then a new defensive coordinator, but what are your early impressions or uh, kind of what do you expect from Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss in 2023? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the buzz sounds like Jackson Dart still kind of got hold of that QB1 spot and we'll see how it goes during fall camp, but I think there's two ways to look at that. If you know, Jackson Dart leveled up his play and beat out the guys that were supposed to take his job. I mean, that's got to be an enormously encouraging sign. Or it's, you know, the the glass half empty approach of, okay, Spencer Sanders wasn't what we thought he was and Walker Howard wasn't able to jump in right away and compete, which I don't think anybody was really expecting him to do. But I mean, the, the, the thing around Ole Miss for me is I don't understand why nobody is talking about the fact that they're like a quarterback away from being really dangerous in the West. I mean, they were dangerous last season, but you had a quarterback that went you know, two and one in his touchdown interception ratio. You got arguably the best running back in America. And if the defense can ratchet it down just a little bit more and hold them closer to like 24, 25 points a game, like Ole Miss is going to cause some problems now. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what Jackson Dart does. Uh, if it's Darty season in Oxford, Ole Miss is going to be in good shape. You mentioned him just now. He'll be here tomorrow. No Jackson Dart, but Quinchon Judkins will be here. Um, just, I love doing this because I know people get mad when you make <laughs> comps. But as I always say, it's not fun to make bad. Like, you're not going to compare someone to a bad player. you sure. got to compare them to a good one. Um, 
The one that I heard recently about Quinshawn Judkins was Ricky Williams. Who does he remind oh. you of? That's a great question. I think Alvin Kamara comes to mind a little bit with just how smooth he is and how quickly he gets downhill. Um, he's not as big, obviously, but Derrick Henry, kind of the same physical running style. I mean, the thing that I was surprised by watching Quinshawn Judkins this offseason, watching back some of his tape, was just the burst he has. I mean, he hits that hole and he gets downhill, but he doesn't I mean he's real deal fast. And I don't know that that gets talked about enough for as physical of a runner as he is. So, I mean, for the fact for him to be a true freshman last year and to have Zach Evans in that running back room as well a season ago, for him to end up, you know, really being the guy as a true freshman, um, I mean, you got to be enormously excited if you're an Ole Miss fan, and for good reason. couple defensive guys tomorrow, uh, Cedric Johnson, DeAndre Prince, new D.C., Pete Golding left Alabama going to Ole Miss. Um, you played college football. You, you've been in locker rooms. You know how that is. A lot has been made about Pete Golding and, you know, how how well can he coach a defense when he's not under the Nick Saban umbrella? Sure. Um, what do you expect from that defense? Because they weren't great in 2022, but they weren't terrible right. um, with that offense and what Kiffin's going to do with points. Uh, just how good do you think they need to be to maybe potentially scare some people in the West? I think if they can hold an average – of around 23, 24 points per game, which is what, three, four points improvement from a season ago. I think that's right around the, the space you need to live because with how much they're running the football or how much they ran the football a season ago, if that's any indication, they're going to have a, a good feel on, on game control. And I don't know they want to really take the air out of the game. I think ideally you'd have a, a pass game to complement it. But I think in a perfect world, if they can just hold up there into the bargain, they don't need to be elite. They don't need to be the reason why they win a football game. I think if they can be like a to put a, a number to it, if they can be seven out of ten, you know, week in and week out, and just be consistent and not have the game where, you know, you, you let up 45 points a game against, you know, insert whoever you want to insert there. I think that's kind of the, the space they need to live in. So, uh, kind of a boring answer for you there. But but if they can be right around 24, 24 points a game, that that would be really encouraging. I think all you need if that offense does take the next step uh, that you would hope they do under Kiffin. Going over to offense again, I know that. You know, everybody made a big deal about the Portal King uh, that first year when, when they were kind of ahead of the curve, and then now it's it, it's it's what everyone does. But still had some uh, some really good gets in the Portal. Um, is there anybody that you're excited about offensively that Ole Miss pulled in? I mean, from a season ago, Michael Trigg is a guy that I think is going to take another step. And I know he was in that class with Jackson Dart, that portal class rather, but I think another year in the system with how athletic he is and his size. I mean, guys like that, I think in college football, we're starting to see just be mismatch nightmares, like having guys like that be that, that ace that you can line up out wide or have a hand in the dirt. Like that in itself, I think to me, uh, we could see him really explode this coming season, in my opinion. But, again, a lot of it falls on the quarterback. But he, he to me, just from a physical standpoint and, and what he brings to the table from a matchup perspective, I'm really excited about him. I, I want to ask you, because um, this has made a lot with the portal when you get guys that are G5 players going to P5, and especially in the SEC, uh, two wideouts that Ole Miss were able to land, uh, Trey Harris from Louisiana Tech and Zachary Franklin from uh, – from UTSA, both G5, but highly productive. Um, Trey Harris was a Bolitnikoff semifinalist. Zachary Franklin was was just a slant monster at at, uh, at the G5 level. But how do you see those guys getting up to the SEC and, and P5? You know, what's what's the expectation for Ole Miss fans there? I think 
anytime you have a guy just absolutely ball out at the G5 level and then they get a chance to go play in a Power 5 conference, that to me feels like a little bit more of a certainty than someone coming out of high school and eventually developing it. And, and you know, there's guys that obviously are freak shows and, and produces a freshman like Quinshawn Judkins. Um, but for me, I feel like, okay, we have a kid who – one can digest a college playbook, uh, understands that the game is is faster than the high school level. Like I think you get just a more developed product, which is encouraging to me. And, and I think today with the transfer portal, you can also have a, a good gauge for who else wants these guys. Like, okay, are we are we on are we on an island out here trying to grab X, Y, and Z player or other people that want these players? And so uh, with both those cats, with with their you know recruitment in itself for Ole Miss to land both of them, um, I think that in itself all points to a really really positive trend and. I mean, you know they're going to get to him in space, and they're going to let him work, and they're going to give him with uh, uh, you know some room to run. You mentioned Zakari Franklin. I mean, if he can translate in that RPO system under Kiffin, like might be some good things happening on offense, and it could help Jackson Dart take that next yeah. step. Last thing, I'm going to probably ask everybody: <laughs> win loss prediction. Uh, if, if you don't want to give one, you know, give me like a hot take or something. But how do you think this year will go for Ole Miss? Sure, I think they'll probably finish third in the West. I think you got LSU and Bama that are that are still probably, for what we know about them right now, just a little bit ahead of Ole Miss. But, I mean, every single year it seems like there's something said about Lane Kiffin and how they're going to take a step back and we don't know about the quarterback position and what have you. And just every single year, credit to him, he finds a way to evolve and he finds a way to adapt and they find a way to be one of those premier teams with within the SEC and, and absolutely within the West. So I think they'll probably still be right in that three spot, just – given the gauntlet that the SEC West is. But um, I don't know if that's a hot take, but that's my prediction for you when it comes to the reps. Okay. All right. J.D., appreciate it, man. Appreciate you, brother. Good to see you. The car buying process can be a lot. I know. I've been there. You just want to get in and out with a new car and the best deal. Simple. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford keeps it simple. They're going to take care of you, get you in and out with your new vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory right now is priced to sell, and what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from any and all competitors is they aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels. Let's be friends. Here at SEC Media Days again, Brian Haydad of Thunder and Lightning yes. and and Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. It's like when people tell you their name, yeah, and you just don't even listen. Well, luckily Haydad is very easy to remember. So. Right. Uh, now I've been informed that you work with Ben Garrett. I I, I do. Yes. Literally that's, the that's worst correct. human on the planet. <laughs> I can't stand that guy. Yeah. Um, as I, as I told Brian right before I hit record, this is uh, this is very very egg bowl centric yes. interview. As we were right by the bathroom here, yes. we're, we're, we're ducked in here. Yeah. Uh, right off Radio Road. The toxicity is evident <laughs> from where we were standing. Yes. Each uh, each opening of the door is 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 just yeah. more and more of a uh, permeating smell. As I, if Elijah Moore had gone in there, life <laughs> might have been totally different. That's right. Um, so I know Zach Arnett yesterday. Um, you and I were, were talking with, mm-hmm. with Michael Borky earlier about how he's just night and day different from Mike Leach, which is pretty easy to do because Mike Leach was, you know, just one of one. But what's uh, 
what's the vibe with, with, with Zach Arnett? Uh, I know everybody at Media Day is bigger, faster, stronger, but how do you – what's the sense that you get from him? I feel like from a football standpoint, not a lot changes, right? And I think that's what Arnett wants to do and try to, to maybe honor Leach a little bit is, is, you know, the principles remain the same. Now, what they do on the field, especially offensively, totally – yeah. And don't let Arnett fool you. It's totally different. Arnett would try to tell you that it's not that different. I feel like it is. Um, but this program was moving forward under Mike Leach. They went from, from four wins to seven wins to nine wins and a top 20 finish last year. And I honestly think that if Leach were still with us, with Rodgers in his fourth year in the air raid and what Mississippi State brings back, that you would be talking a lot of there'd be a lot of buzz. There'd be like this could be a preseason top 15 team, and everybody would like them. But the because Arnett is is in charge, and not everybody knows him, and they just feel like that the, the transition is going to be too big for Mississippi State. I think that's where the, the the doubt has creeped in, and that's why Mississippi State likely will be picked last in the West when we get the ballots in today. You mention it because uh, because I I don't know. Um, you probably have a much better idea of what the offense is going to look like, but. Will Rogers, who I, I think um, finished his doctorate, he's probably got tenure at this point, but he's back. Um, I mean, one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC, ton of experience. He's been there, done that. What is the offense going to look like surrounding him in, in 2023? I'm trying to think of the Ole Miss equivalent of the guy who was there forever. If it pops in my head, I'm just going to say it. Um, oh, it's D.T. Shackelford. That's a good one. That's a good one. I thought Brandon Bolden was there forever, too. Um, Famously blocked me on Twitter. Oh, Don't know why. Richie Brown blocked me. <laughs> I know why, though. I know why. Did you say something about Long Beach? I, I, no, I said uh, – I was watching – they were playing LSU, and I said, Fournette shook him off like I'd shake off my seven-year-old. He had no chance. <laughs> blocked. Um, the offense. A lot of stretch. A lot of, a lot of play action. You know, state – State hasn't taken a snap under center since 2017. I was going to say, does Will know how to do that? So I asked Will about that yesterday. The last time he took a snap under center was at Brandon High School. I think he said it was in his 10th grade year, and they were backed up on their own one-yard line, and they were just going to sneak and get it out of the end zone. Yeah. So since then, no. Okay. And then I talked earlier today with Jacob Hester, and he made something I hadn't really considered is that when you're in the air raid, everything's in front of you, right? You never turn your back on the defense. Now you're going to be taking the snap, doing that hard play-action fake, and turning your back to the defense. Rodgers admitted, he's like, never done it. Yeah. Never done it. So that's a big transition. Yeah, but that's huge. But Rodgers is, is so experienced. I, I don't think – you know, if State was having to put a new quarterback out there, I would be really worried. With Rodgers, I feel like that gives you some comfort. So – they're going to run the ball a lot more. They had to go get some tight ends in the portal because they literally didn't have one on the roster. They went and got two guys, uh, one Ryland Goaty from uh, Georgia and then Jaquarius Spivey, who was at State for a time under Moorhead, uh, and then left because they didn't need tight ends anymore. And then he came <laughs> back. It was kind of one of those things like, hey, we, we, we rehired your position. You right. want to come back to it? And yeah. yeah, that's what they did. Um, um, uh, but anyway, and I think, I think he's like, Jaquarius Marks was here yesterday. Yeah. They're going to run the football a good bit more. Um, they're going to be a lot more balanced. And you're going to see some games where they may run it 40 times and only throw it 20 times. Uh, Barbe is much more take what the defense gives you than mm-hmm. Leach was, who Leach was, this is my offense and I'm going to do what i got to do. Yeah. You, you made a great point about the quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Great um, point. All right. this, is, this is not a visual medium. But, yeah, <laughs> I know, but still. I'm but pat yourself excited. on the back. Yeah, um, yeah so it, that is 
huge, I think, for Mississippi State this year because you have that older guy that's been a multi-year starter that can control the locker room and, and be that leader that they need in year one of a coach. But um, defensively, the head coach now, Zach Garnett, ran the defense. What um, what I know it's going to be the same scheme and everything, but defensively, what do you expect from them? A lot of the same. I mean, the biggest thing is obviously replacing Emmanuel Forbes. By the way, Emmanuel Forbes, Ben didn't know this at one time, but he went to Grenada. He was the number two recruit in the state. And uh, he went to Mississippi State and became a first-round pick. Ben, ben wasn't aware of that when, when we talked when I talked to him last. Um, was it three, uh, three top three round draft picks in the secondary for state three straight years? Yes. Yeah. yeah with Dantzler and then and then Emerson and then now uh, Manuel Forbes, who, yeah. you know, not only was a great cover corner but could turn defense into offense with six pick sixes in his career. That's a big loss. Um, State love, they loved a Cameron Richardson, who was the other cornerback last year. And that's kind of been the story these past few years is the other cornerback has stepped up. Right. Uh, so we'll see if Richardson can do that. And they brought in Kamari Rogers, you cover recruiting. Yeah. I knew when he went to Miami, I was like, see you in a year. Yeah. I knew he was going to end up at Mississippi <laughs> State. Um, and, they, you know, they've hit the secondary really hard from the portal. But they have so much experience in the front six or seven, however you want to look at it. I mean, Jaden Crumity – I just made this comment on my live show. Jaden Crumity is – married with a child right he's like 24 he, that's a man yeah that's a grown man yeah uh, nathan pickering is is like 23 years old jet johnson and, and buki watson are the two leading returning tacklers in the sc they've both been at state for five six years now this is a ton of experience and there's just a difference when you're 19 and if you get into a fight with a 24 year old guy <laughs> that's a man versus a boy yeah and state has a lot of grown ass men i guess i can say ass yeah yeah it's it's, it's podcast we're not we're not yeah, we're not fine. beholden to the fcc i don't think that's a curse word anymore no it's 2020 you're right about that um i just feel like experience wise they have so much now it makes me think about next year and like gosh they're gonna lose a ton of guys but this yeah. state team is senior laden they have a lot of seniors that's why i think they're gonna be pretty good because you know, the State and Ole Miss, are, they have their best teams when they have experience, right? Mm-hmm. They're not going to constantly be shuffling, shuffling in five-star kids, and it doesn't matter who you lose. So when State has this many seniors in the lineup, I definitely like their chances. And defensively, they only returned four starters, and I had to do the air quotes when I did that. Yeah. But guys like Sean Preston and Asias Ferge, they've started games for Mississippi State. So right. they have a ton of experience there. Uh, everybody wants a prediction yeah. win loss or you yeah. can give me a hot take if you don't want to do win loss but yeah. how year one what's do you think there's a realistic you know are, are the mississippi state fan base will they be able to contextualize and and, and you know understand nuance of right. year one struggles if they happen if they have them yeah i think because arnett a is doing pretty well in recruiting you mm-hmm. know and that's that has people excited yeah but you know it's just it's just the tragedy of Mike Leach is still real. Yeah. And I think people will just tell you after year one, they're like, well, maybe, you know, it'll be okay, but this was going to be a tough year. I think, like I said earlier, if Leach were still here, this would be a team everybody would be talking about. Mm-hmm. Well, those players are still here. And so, and, and, and Arnett was really, uh, he stressed that a lot. He's like, you know what makes great coaches? Great players. And State has good players this year. So I think State's going to be pretty good. I have State fourth in the West. I have them going eight and four, losing to LSU, Bama, South Carolina, and uh, and Texas A&M. I know your listeners will be upset with me, but but I got it right last year, so I'm gonna stick with it. Yeah. Stick with it again. I just like State at home. I don't have a lot of questions about Ole Miss defensively because there's a lot of proof it there with all those transfers yeah. coming in. You know, I know Ole Miss will be great offensively. I love Dar. I may I may be the biggest 
non-Ole Miss person to like Jackson Dart. Yeah. Like, I think he's really good. And Judkins is a stud. Um, so they'll score points. I just don't know how they'll, how many they're going to be at stopping people. But I think State will, you know, same as last year, basically. You know, they'll be picked last, and they'll finish third or fourth. Yeah. All right. Brian, appreciate it, man. Thank you. Stay out of trouble. Uh, I'll try. This podcast is brought to you by Cherokee Valley Golf Course in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Get on over to see Cody Allen and the crew to take on the challenge of their wide, plush Zoiza fairways and large championship Bermuda greens. They have two putting greens to hone in your game with the flat stick, a driving range, and a chipping green to tighten up the short game. Book a tee time online at olivebranch.com or give them a call at 662-893-4444. That's Cherokee Valley Golf Course in Olive Branch, Mississippi. The signs of summer are here. Freshly mowed grass, days in the water at the ballpark, and all the rest on the golf course. Well, that's how we do it over here at Oxford and Ole Miss anyway. And PXG Golf Apparel is here to make sure you're locked and loaded for round after round at University Course or Oxford Country Club. PXG has taken its mission to create the most high-quality, high-performance golf clubs in the game to their new line of apparel as well. With PXG Apparel, there's something for everyone. From pants, polos, and sweaters to hats, joggers, and skirts. You'll usually find me with a hat on my head. And PXG has nailed the fitted breathable. And my navy goes with pretty much anything. So don't wait another second. Elevate your style game on and off the course with the PXG Spring Summer 2024 Collection. Head over to pxg.com TOC and use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions at checkout to save 10% on all apparel. That's pxg.com TOC. Code TOC for Talk of Champions to save 10% on apparel. BXG, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Still at SEC Media Days here with Matt Moscona, ESPN Baton Rouge. And as you were just explaining to me, pretty much everywhere you uh, get your get your radio dial going. But uh, nice to meet you, man. And uh, how's Nashville been so far? I, I love it. So, I mean, I love SEC Media Days to begin with because you get a chance to sort of just binge on SEC football in the middle of July. I'm always down for that. So, um, for me, mostly being in Louisiana, we're not geographically close to any location. So whether it's Hoover, it's a six-hour drive. 
if it's Atlanta, it's eight hours. It's here, it's eight. So yeah. we're going to hop on a plane either way and go. And as long as we got uh, convenience and coaches and players are here and they're willing to give their time, we're always good with it, man. So how quickly did everybody down in Louisiana stop asking about uh, Paul Skeens, Dylan Cruz, and then start asking about Brian Kelly and Jane Daniels? So the football conversation never stops. But, um, man, I don't think the baseball conversation is going to stop either. I mean, you just asked me about it, obviously. Paul Skeens just signed his contract yesterday. So that was a magical run, man. You know, LSU had the, the most talented team in the country this year. But in baseball, best team don't always win, man. We saw it with Tennessee a year ago. They were a phenomenal team and didn't even make it to Omaha. So things happen. So to have all the expectation that team did with all the talent and then to fall into the loser's bracket and to come out of it, it was just a really impressive thing. Fun thing to watch. Um, I'm in this same camp. I think a lot of people are. I think a lot of people expect LSU to – really challenged to go back to back in the west and get to atlanta again um quarterback's back brian kelly heard him in the big room he seemed confident um and then i I think harold perkins is still playing football so they're going to be fine on defense but what's what's the buzz around that program for you right now i think the expectation is to win the west again and then see if you can beat georgia and atlanta and um and it's not to say that it's it's going to happen but I think if you're LSU, you look at what you have coming back against the schedule you play, and it, LSU should be favored to win the West. Yeah. We, The media here always gets it wrong, so we'll probably get it wrong again, but you return Jaden Daniels. I don't know if you agree. I think this is the weakest quarterback year in the league since 2014. Uh, if you remember, 2013 was an amazing year. McCarron, Manziel, uh, Mettenberger, Aaron Murray, Connor Shaw won 11 games twice yeah. in South Carolina. I mean, it was a great year in the league for quarterbacks. And all those guys left, and it was basically Dak and Bo Wallace. I mean, it was, you know, um, so I think this year is similar. You only got five quarterbacks at Media Days this week, yeah. which is a great commentary on the situation that only five teams are willing to bring a quarterback here. So, when you're LSU and you have one of those guys who's a fifth-year starter, right? you return 90% of your production offensively. You mentioned Perkins and a lot of the guys that they have defensively. You get Auburn, Florida, A&M all at home. Tennessee rotates off. Missouri rotates on. You do have to go to Bama. But, yeah, I mean, LSU should be the favorite to, to win the division and get back to Atlanta. The one you hadn't talked about, non-conference, big one, Florida State. Yeah. Last year's game, I mean, probably as good as it gets uh, in college football with that one. Um, I know Florida State's expected to be probably top of the ACC, challenge Clemson, but um, how much stock do you put into like early games like that? And even if, let's say LSU wins, they don't look great. I know it's you know week zero, week one, whatever you want to call it, but um, those types of measuring stick games, what do you? expect to learn from those well I think it can be um look at Georgia a year ago the way they beat Oregon we were all expecting that to be a close game and I I don't know that Oregon got a first down until the second half it was yeah. it was an absolute avalanche we're like oh everything we thought about Georgia losing five defensive starters and everything yeah throw all that away because they're awesome again yeah so it can be like that it was like that for LSU in 2011 they played incidentally they played Oregon 
and it was a top five matchup, and LSU blew the doors off Oregon the year after Oregon played for the national championship against Auburn. Um, and that was a springboard for LSU that season. Where I was like, oh, no, this team is, they're a title contender. So I think it can be that. I think it's also, if you look at a year ago, it was an illustration of how far LSU had to go and became a measuring stick to say how far they were able to progress from game one to the point where you're beating Alabama in November and playing for an SEC championship. So um, specifically to this team, if LSU really has national championship aspirations, they have to win that game. Because, I mean, we all know there's no team in the playoff era that's made the playoff with two losses. So if you lose to Florida State week one, you have left yourself literally no margin. You've got to run the table. Yeah. And um, in in the SEC, that's just God. That's such a hard thing to do. So I, yeah. I, I think I never like to say must win until it's literally a must win. Yeah. But that's as close as you can get to that without being a literal must win. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the lack of quarterbacks here. Uh, one that I was shocked. I think a lot of people are probably shocked. Jackson Dart did not make the trip. Uh, I don't know why. I don't think it's Lane Kiffin. There's probably no reason why. Um, but, but what do you expect from him year two in the system? Matt Corral took a big jump year one to year two under Kiffin. What do you uh, – not just Dart, but just that offense in general. Um, so I agree on Dart being here, and I believe that the league should mandate every team bring its quarterback. Um, and I'm, like, I'm dead serious. Like, yeah. The, we're, we come here every year to tell stories about the conference. Mm. Like, what, what are the biggest talking points? Um, like, Devin Leary from Kentucky, the transfer from NC State, not being here this week is absurd. Like, he's one of the most interesting guys in the league transferring in. Mm. But he's not here. Like, that's – anyway, I, I'll get off my soapbox on that. <laughs> I, I'm, I think Ole Miss – is pretty fascinating because while while Dart is the returning starter and most people that cover Ole Miss seem to think he's going to win that job, I don't know why Spencer Sanders transfers in to not play. It was the, it's the conversation just logically that I had about Jaden Daniels last year. A lot of LSU fans really were um, emotional about Miles Brennan. He was the fan favorite, and the thing I kept saying was they they didn't go get a four-year starter mm. to not play. They went and got him because they didn't like their room. So that's kind of how I look at it with Ole Miss. But, man, guys like Judkins and all the talent on that offense, Lane calling the plays, they're going to move the ball. They're going to score points. I just don't know that 1-85, to they're they're good enough to, to mm. win the West. But um, the other thing that's fascinating about Ole Miss this year to me is last year you looked at the schedule – and I remember sitting here at Media Days looking at Ole Miss's schedule going, they're going to be 7-0 and when they come to Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. And and they were. And then we found out really what they were in November, which was a, a good team, not a great team. Yeah. Um, it's very different this year for Ole Miss at the onset. Yeah. So I think we will know very early what this Ole Miss team is and is going to be. And they're probably a team that's – the final record's probably going to look similar to last year. It's just going to be, probably be pieced together differently. Yeah. You mentioned quarterbacks, and you you want it mandated that they have to come. <clears throat> Probably a guy that's going to be here in a couple of years that you're familiar with, Walker Howard. Yeah. Um, not you know, barring something happening, not probably not going to be under center this year, but a lot of people expect him to compete next year, and to either if Dart stays, compete with him. If Dart's gone, it'll be him and 
whoever else is on the roster, but limited of what you saw from him in Baton Rouge, but just the the kind of the legend of him in high school and how, how talented he, he is. And uh, a lot of people expected that at LSU and then transferred. So what's what, what do you think about that? Yeah, Walker leaving LSU stung. Mm. Um, Louisiana kid, his dad obviously played at LSU. His best friend's Will Campbell, the starting left tackle. That's one that I think LSU misplayed their hand. Um, you know, and, and the thing with Walker, a lot of people would look and say, well, why did he go to Ole Miss when they have two other quarterbacks there? For him, it was more the opportunity to compete for a job. When when you're running scout team, I, Walker worked two or three days all year with the offense during the season. So are you really getting better if you're just giving the defense a look? So I don't think he wanted to go somewhere where he's guaranteed to play. He just wanted to be given a shot. Right. Um, it's disappointing for LSU, no doubt, for all the reasons we said. For Ole Miss, it's a huge get. I mean, he, there's a reason he's a five-star. Um, he when, – when we watched him in fall camp last year, and, you know, the quarterbacks would do these throwing drills, and so they'd line up side by side by side. They'd all just, just you know, throw in the same ball. Mm-hmm. It leaves his hand different. It's one of those things, like, you don't have to be a quarterback guru to just look at it and go, oh, that looks different than the other ones. Yeah. So he's that special arm talent, but he's also that special like person, the leader. So Jamie Howard, Walker's dad, um, I, I know Jamie pretty well. And, and I remember when Walker committed to LSU initially, I had a conversation with Jamie and he said, and Jamie's not the guy, he's not the dad that like hovers and talks about his kids. And, like, this isn't a LeVar Ball type thing, okay? Yeah. It's, he's the antithesis of LeVar Ball, right? Right. Um, like zero entitlement whatsoever. And Jamie said on my radio show, he said, whether Walker ever plays or not, the team will be better because he's on the team. Um, because of the type of teammate and character and all that sort of stuff. So when you blend the special physical tools and the special person, that's when you have that that really like magic sauce. And as uh, a bummer watching him leave LSU, man, but Ole Miss got a good one. Whenever he sees the field, he's I, I would be fall over stunned if he wasn't not good great when he got his chance yeah um last thing in the west i, I expected to be lsu up top um where do you see uh Ole miss falling in that tier everybody kind of expects alabama to just figure it out but they've got question marks especially a quarterback which as we've been talking here it's the most important position but where you know in, in tiers or groups whatever you want to call it where do you yeah. kind of see Ole miss falling this year I think after LSU and Bama, I think the West cannibalizes itself. I think you see a whole lot of four and four and three and five in the league after it, where everybody just beats everybody. Um, Ole Miss goes to Georgia, right? If that draw sucks, because other than that, I think I would have Ole Miss third. But I could see a reality where Ole Miss and Texas A&M are both four and four in the league. Yeah. Um, and that game is a tiebreaker to see where they finish. But Ole Miss playing at Georgia sucks. Like it's the yeah. one where you're like, man, that's that's the game where if you had a better draw, it's the difference between possibly you know maybe bumping up on an Access Bowl, a New Year's Six, yep. and then ending up in like the Texas Bowl. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, you know, I I think I think that the total 
on Ole Miss and Vegas is seven and a half. Mm-hmm. I'd probably peg him at eight. I'd that Georgia man just <laughs> I feel like I'm not crying for Ole Miss, but if you're at, you know you're just looking at the question, that's the one where you're like, man, that's a tough draw yeah. to have to play Georgia, LSU, and Bama all in the same season. Um. Well, that does it here from SEC Media Days. Matt Moscona, ESPN, Baton Rouge. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Introducing the new and improved BNA Bank mobile app. From setting transaction alerts and tracking your spending habits to managing travel plans and turning off a lost or stolen debit card, you can take care of all of it in the new BNA mobile app. At BNA Bank, we know that life moves pretty fast, and we have the mobile technology to keep up with your life on the go. BNA Bank, local, invested, modern banking. This podcast also comes to you thanks to Bluff City Advisory Group, Memphis's leading team of finance professionals who can provide advanced assistance with financial planning, pension, and qualified plan support and business and estate planning strategies as well. Former Ole Miss Rebel and founding partner Ben Still, along with his elite-level customer service team, make it their goal to help you meet the ongoing demands of your financial needs. Learn about this and more at BluffCityAdvisory.com. Out here at SEC Media Days once again, here with Brian Brown from the next round. Ryan, you've been uh, tough to track down. I think it's because everybody wants to talk to you. Um, You've got the voice that that bellows through the uh, the ballrooms up here, but happy to uh, to chat with you, man. Yeah, it's good to catch up. So I guess what you're really saying is I'm loud, which my wife has told me I'm louder than I think I am. Yeah. And if everybody wants to talk to me, we've run out of people to talk to. So uh, I think that's what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the nicest way possible. Um, so we're going to pulse check here on Alabama and Auburn. Um, you're there. You're around it all the time. Uh, let's start with the heavy hitter with with, with Alabama. Um, I didn't sense a ton of questions in the big room, uh, maybe one or two. I don't know what he got in the smaller breakdowns, um, but still a question mark at quarterback. They go and get Tyler Buckner right after the spring game. That's pretty telling, in my opinion. But uh, what do you think about quarterback play? Yeah, I think it was even more telling when you consider that his former offensive coordinator at Notre Dame is now the offensive coordinator at Alabama. There was an obvious relationship there and a comfort level. Um, I mean, I think if you talk about all three of them, so Ty Simpson, Jalen Milrow, and uh, and Tyler Buckner, if you look at Simpson, he was the presumed next guy. When he was recruited, he was a heavily recruited guy. Alabama really, really has liked him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's not to say that he may not still be the guy, but I think he was certainly the name to beat. Milrow was the guy that got experience, obviously, when Bryce Young was out of the Texas A&M game last year. Milrow played, and you saw in that game what worries them about Milrow, and that's his propensity to turn the ball over. He doesn't have great ball security, puts the ball at risk a little too much. They love his arm, his athletic ability. To be fair to him in that game against A&M, if you go back and watch it, Bill O'Brien was very, very conservative. They didn't allow him to do a whole lot. So I don't know that you can only judge from that. And then, you know, the wild card, I think, in all of this is Tyler Buckner that I mentioned, that it's a guy that it looks like Tommy Reese came in and kind of scanned the landscape and wasn't 100% confident with what he saw. So he goes against a guy he's got some sort of comfort level with. And um, I I really do think it's a three-horse race. You could convince me that any one of those guys is the starter against Middle Tennessee. So, it's been kind of all over the place with uh, 
scheduling and when it happens, but and I want to say historically, it doesn't happen very often, but the years that Ole Miss has had success against Alabama, it's been earlier in the year. Yeah. Last year in November, big game, Ole Miss had a chance at the end. Alabama uh, just kind of outlasted them. Bryce Young was pretty special. Um, but playing earlier this year with the quarterback situation and Pete Golding and that familiarity yeah. – how do you think that game is going to go? Not necessarily, you know, give me a prediction, but just sure. the flow and how do you see that one going? So if it were in Oxford, obviously I would like Ole Miss's chances a lot better. That is, Oxford is a place where Alabama has uh, historically, at least of late, really had some issues. I mean, you look back to last year's game without Bryce Young playing some hero ball at times, Alabama loses that game in all likelihood. Even going back to the COVID year when it was a track meet, yeah. but that, I mean, that was the one team that Alabama – really was a great Alabama team, really had to sweat to beat that year. So it's it's one of those places where Alabama at times, and I mean, you even can go back to what, 2014 when Alabama lost there. So they have found their struggles. If that game were in Oxford, it would worry me a little bit more, but I think the opposite is true. In Tuscaloosa, that's been a tough place for Ole Miss to play, but you do have a lot of storylines with Pete Golding and his familiarity there. Uh, if Alabama is still trying to find the answer at quarterback, it kind of gives you some 2015 vibes when – Alabama wasn't totally, oddly enough, Lane Kiffin was the offensive coordinator, and Bama wasn't totally settled at quarterback year and they, that year, and they made the change in that game. It led to five turnovers and an Ole Miss win. Alabama eventually went Jake Coker after that and won the national championship. So, you, you, there are some, there is some commonality, there are some similarities there between 2014 to 2015 that could favor Ole Miss in that situation. Kind of segueing here. I'm going to claim that it was intentional, but it really wasn't. But we just talked about Ole Miss getting the better of Bama. The common denominator within the state of Alabama was Hugh Freeze. He was the head coach then. He's now the head coach at Auburn. Tons of question marks there. The roster is not great from what Brian Harson left. But in year one, um, a guy that has found ways to you know, beat teams he's not supposed to beat, uh, what do you expect from them this year? Well, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of people that are excited about what he will bring offensively for Auburn because you mentioned it, the recruiting has not been there, neither has the offense. And it, a lot of it gets pinned on Brian Harson, and understandably so. The Harson era was largely uh, a debacle. But Gus Malzahn had kind of been in cruise control in recruiting as well. He had not kept up with Kirby Smart and Nick Saban on the recruiting front. So Auburn has fallen behind on their roster. Like, I think when Brian Harson left and Hugh Freeze took over, I'm not even sure they had a roster that, that was outside the bottom quarter of the league, to be honest with you. Now, Freeze has saved as much as he could in recruiting. He's been active in the portal, especially at quarterback. So I think that's what encourages Auburn fans, that he looked at the landscape and he said, we can't, we can't win with this roster. And he's been very aggressive in the way he's approached that. It's still a build for him, though. I mean, I think Auburn would do good to win seven or eight games. But I think what Auburn fans are excited about is a guy that's got some fresh offensive ideas, unlike what you've got late Gus Malzahn and really the entire Brian Horson era. Um, looking at him in that job and kind of they needed something different because Horson was just very, you know, hard edge. Yeah. You know, didn't really say much. Hugh Freeze is going to be the opposite. I think, I think Auburn people are going to love him. For you know how he is, he's gonna be, you know, on the you know on the campaign trail. Yep, yep. He's gonna shake hands, kiss babies, all that stuff. But 
in three years, where do you think Auburn is with Hugh Freeze? Oh, I think they'll be back to a team that is consistently competing for 10 or 11 wins. You know, the West will be gone, so you can't really say contend for the West. But if the West were still there, I would say mm-hmm. they would be in contention for the West. I have a lot of faith in Hugh Freeze as a head football coach. I think he's, you know, I think Ole Miss fans know what Auburn is getting. He's a coach that at times couldn't match the offense with the defense. There were times where the run game was inconsistent to the point that, that Ole Miss went with Kim Dietschy. You know, sometimes yeah. as a running back, I mean, they, <laughs> they had trouble in short yardage. But the thing I've always respected about Hugh Freeze is, number one, he knows how to coach quarterbacks. I always thought he maximized the play he got out of his quarterbacks, whether it was Bo Wallace or Chad Kelly. It felt like he squeezed as much out of them as he could. Mm. Number two with Hugh Freeze, uh, I always thought he knew how to recruit receiver. I mean, you look at the elite receivers Ole Miss had when he was there, and all you got to do is turn on the NFL on Sunday and you see those guys still playing, right? So he knows how to build offense at receiver and at quarterback. I think what worries Auburn fans, you go back and look at Hugh Freeze, the thing that stands out to me is you're right, he wins games he wasn't supposed to win, but there there was that game where you – always like what happened Mm -hmm. so i remember was it 15 when they went to florida after they had beaten alabama and they get beat like Mm 35-3 just completely run out there was one year where i think it was Ole miss or arkansas just destroyed or excuse me uh lsu or arkansas i think it was just destroyed them out of the blue i think it was arkansas Arkansas, yeah yeah, on the road in the rain yeah yeah. i mean so there was that lost to memphis yeah, yeah i mean there was always that game where you're like what in the world just happened there and you couldn't really couldn't really figure it out but um that i think that's what auburn fans i think that's the thing that concerns them about hugh Mm -hmm. freeze and i think it's the other part of what i said about their offense is what excites them yeah um flipping to ole miss year two jackson dart um been asking lots of people matt corral took a big jump from year one to year two in that system under kiffin um he'll be another year removed from the injury he'll be more comfortable what do you expect, not only from, from Dart, but just Ole Miss in general this year? With uh, It's a tough schedule, but yeah. um, seems like they've got some pieces now on that offense to be exciting. It's just, the most, to me, the most fascinating quarterback situation there is because I, I'm with you. I mean, I think from everything I've heard from everyone I've talked to in Mississippi, they feel like that Jackson Dart's going to be the starter. But maybe as much or more so than any other school in the conference, if it doesn't work out for him, it seems like Ole Miss has – more options than anybody what i've heard about jackson dart obviously i'm not there on the day-to-day i'm just listening to the voices i trust over there you know is that he really cut down on the turnovers i mean that's the only thing i didn't like about jackson dart last year was he turned the ball over too much he was a little too loose with the football and if he can cut back on that i think there is a whole lot to like about him and i I, i'm a fan of his so I, i think that said you know, I still think it's a fight for Ole Miss to get to eight or nine wins. I really do. It's just, it's a difficult schedule. The SEC is not getting any easier. I'm fascinated. I'll tell you a game, you know, I, I like to spot these games where I'm like, I can't wait for that game. Or I'm fascinated about that game. One of them that oddly fascinates me is Ole Miss at Tulane. You know, Tulane okay. brings a lot back. I think that's a good team. I think it's just a weird spot. I wanted it to be a night game. That just feels like that ought yeah. to be a Saturday night, eight o'clock kickoff. Eight, Yolman Stadium in New Orleans, and it's going to be a 2:30 game, which means it's going to be hot as blazes. Yeah, I don't know. That's just a fascinating. I'm not saying Ole Miss is going to lose that game. It's just a fascinating game to me. Yeah, little uh, SEC kind of 
grudge yeah. match. Yeah, old school SEC school grudge used match. To be, uh, school used to be. There. I mean, I think you saw that with Tulane last year that they're good enough to beat USC in the bowl game. They're good enough to beat a lot of teams, and they've got a lot of those people back. Ole Miss is the better team. That's a game Ole Miss should win. I'm right. just saying. Yeah. You know, it's it's a game that if Ole Miss doesn't pay attention, it's going to be the Super Bowl for Tulane. When do they get a team like that in their stadium? You know? Right, yeah. And Ole Miss fans, I'm sure, are going to go. They're going to be out on Bourbon Street. They're going to be ready to go the next day. But I don't know. It's just an interesting game to me, that Ole Miss-Tulane game. Last thing here, I thought you were going to go this way, but I'll ask you because it is fascinating to me. And it is a true house money, no pressure, just go have fun and just see what happens. But Ole Miss goes to Georgia. They don't play there very often. I don't think many Ole Miss fans expect to win or expect it to be you know, close at all. But going back to that COVID year when Ole Miss played Alabama, I think that's kind of what you're going for here, right, yeah. if you're an Ole Miss fan. Just score some points, be exciting, nobody get hurt, that kind of thing. Well, but, yeah, and it seemed like Lane tried that the next year in Tuscaloosa too, right, when he went for, was it nine fourth downs, it felt like. I don't know how many it actually was. Get your popcorn ready game. Yeah, the get your popcorn ready game where – he goes in. You know, if that works, he looks like a genius yep. for doing it. It didn't work, and, and Ole Miss kind of got run out there in the first half. I think it was 35 nothing at the half, if memory serves. Mm-hmm. Um, so you wonder if that's the kind of approach he takes. Is like, yeah. look, I know Georgia's got a great defense. I'm going to do everything I can to keep them uncomfortable and keep them on their heels. And that was really to, you know, to speak on that. And I think that's why Lane tried this against Nick Saban. When Kirby was at Alabama, that was the type of team that gave Alabama fits. The team that was unpredictable, the team that didn't play it by the book, yeah. the team that you – it was so hard because what Nick Saban likes to do, and Kirby Smart as well, is what – you know, the, the phrase make you left-handed. So take away what you're comfortable doing and make you do what you're uncomfortable doing. And if it's hard to even figure out what you're uncomfortable doing that day, that makes it even more tough, yeah. even more more difficult. So I wonder I wonder if that's kind of the approach he'll take. And I'll tell you the thing I love about Lane Kiffin's offense, and I got to see a lot of it here, and I've watched it at Ole Miss, and it's so misunderstood about him, is his dedication to running the football. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a guy that he is so creative in the run game, never gives up on the run, loves to run the football. And I think everybody just, if they don't pay attention, they think of Lane Kiffin as a guy that throws it all over the field and he's this wild, crazy offense. But that's the type of game, if you can find some stuff in the run game, that's the type of game plan that can shorten a game and beat Georgia. Now, I mean, you're right. That is house money. You're going to be a big underdog if you're Ole Miss in that situation. But I would say if you ask Kirby, give me a list of the offensive coordinators, offensive coaches you wouldn't want to face, Lane's probably on that list. Ryan Brown of next round, you want to give a plug on on where they can find all your stuff because you're doing big things. You got your own room up here. We're trying uh, at Next Round Live on all social media, nextroundlive.com. We've got our own YouTube channel. We try to be anywhere you can get us other than radio. Um, so, yeah, just start at nextroundlive.com, download the app, and go from there. All right, that's Ryan Brown, SEC Media Days. Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. 
break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.